One thing we could say about Pope Benedict, most people know Pope Benedict by his great intellect. And Pope Benedict had an incredible intellect. He was head of the Congregation for Doctrine of Faith for many years. He was the right person there. But also, when Pope Benedict, when he became Pope, and people really saw his personality, who he was, and his virtues. One virtue I, I kept seeing in Pope Benedict, and that was humility. Humility. Yeah, he was a very, very humble man, humble Pope, humble person. And it's amazing to have kind of those two balance, a great intellect and yet humility, as if he's nothing, as if God is everything and he is nothing. Much like St. John in the gospel. You know, this gospel, does it go like this over your head? That's why John is, that's why his symbol is the eagle, because sometimes it just flies right over our head. It's like, what are you talking about, John? Where was this and that and beginning this and word and what are you talking about? That's why it kind of flies over our head. Great intellect, but John was also very humble at the same time. And so you, you see this like divine element that can be within human beings and yet this human element of childlikeness. And so the greatest gift, if you've opened up all your gifts, one tradition I do, I do not open up all my gifts on Christmas. It's too stressful. So a lot of people are very stressed to get their gifts out on Christmas and to open up all their gifts. Too much stress. Too much stress. What I do is I open up one gift each day for the octave of Christmas. There's the eight days of Christmas. If you have more than eight gifts, you extend it to the 12 days of Christmas. And if you have more than 12 gifts, you can extend it to the epiphany, because many countries will open up gifts on the epiphany. At the end of the Christmas season, you have to open up all your gifts. The greatest gift that God wants to give us in Christmas is the gift of himself. It's the greatest gift. It's a gift that will last. It's a gift that won't rust. It's a gift that won't get old or not be fashionable in 20 years from now. It's the gift of himself. And think about it. God, he wraps his divinity in humanity. Like we wrap a gift and so if you look at the child Jesus, there's divinity, that's the gift, but it's wrapped in humanity. Why is it wrapped in humanity and littleness? So that we won't be afraid to come to his divinity and receive what we need for our souls. And so the child Jesus is always coming to us. A lot of times when we think of Jesus, we always think of Jesus as an adult with a beard and mustache and long hair, kind of like, you know, like a hippie, you know, like the hippies in the 60s where they wore long hair and beards. And, you know, and that's the way we always picture Jesus. But do we picture Jesus as a child coming to us? Small, frail, little. And he comes to us that way in every Mass in every Eucharist. Think about the host that you receive at Holy Communion. It's small. It's like this. LEC priests get like a bigger host. We get about this big. 
you get it. And Jesus makes him so small, so small that he's in the palm of your hand. He's on the tip of your tongue. That the Eucharist is the kiss of Christ. It's Christ kissing you. As it says in the Song of Songs, kiss me with the kisses of your lips. And Christ is on your tongue. He's on your lips. And then he's within your body. He's in your stomach. And that's why always after Holy Communion, we should always pray. Jesus is little there. And he wants to pour out himself, pour out his graces. It's a gift that when we open it, we don't actually open it, we swallow the gift. And the gift is within us. And it's almost like a Christmas tree that shines through us with lights and ornaments, like we decorate the churches. How much more does God want to decorate our souls and our bodies? And so to give you a little bit about this humility, what's called the spirituality of childlikeness. So it says in scripture, Jesus says, you must be like a little child to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You must be like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice he said a little child, not just a child. You must be like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's why there's a rating above heaven. You ever see the ratings for movies? And there's a rating above heaven that it says, uh, C-O, children only. Only children enter into this place. That means you have to be humble. But it's childlikeness. So there's a difference between childhood and childlikeness. It doesn't mean that we go back to playing toys or playing with dolls. or It doesn't mean that we, we be children in that sense. It means that we're childlike. We're simple, we're humble with God, we're trusting with God. And so this was a virtue that Jesus wanted to teach St. Faustina. So if you read the diary of St. Faustina, which we do after Holy Communion, in this diary, it's filled with visions of the child Jesus, of the child Jesus appearing to St. Faustina throughout her lifetime, Many times the Blessed Mother would come with the Christ child. Always on Christmas, St. Faustina had a vision of the Blessed Mother with the Christ child, sometimes of St. Joseph. And then sometimes the Christ child would just appear when she was at Mass. So I'd like to read to you different passages from the diary of St. Faustina about this child, like to give you more of a flavor of what it was like for her, but what happens for each one of us? She saw it in vision, but it's still happening with each one of us. It's not like just Saint. Fa- it's not like the child Jesus just comes to Saint Faustina, and only Saint Faustina. He comes to each and every one of us. So I'm going to give you the the paragraphs for all these. I won't read every experience because this would be like a 45 minute to an hour talk but this is only a homily, so I'm just gonna give you different passages. So this is paragraph 312. And she said, once when I was outside the convent to go to confession, St. Michael's Church, I chanced upon my confessor, Father Sapochko, 
saying mass just then. After a while, I saw the child Jesus on the altar, joyfully and playfully holding out his hands to him. But a moment later, the priest took the beautiful child into his hands, broke him up and ate him alive. At the first instant, I felt a dislike for the priest for having done this to Jesus, but I was immediately enlightened in the matter and understood that this priest was very pleasing to God. Isn't that great? So child Jesus is on the altar, and he's joyfully in playing with the priest on the altar as the priest is consecrating the host. And then the priest receives the child Jesus. See that at Holy Communion, we receive the little child Jesus who's there. Another passage, I, I like this one. Now this is with, so St. Faustina had two confessors. She had Father Michael Sopochko, who was in Vilnius, and then she had Father Andras, who was a Jesuit priest in Krakow. And the child Jesus does not distinguish which priest it is, so he appears first to Father Sopochko, now he's going to appear to Father Andras. But Father Andras and Father Sopochko did not see Jesus. It's St. Faustina who's seeing what's happening. So this is paragraph 879. She says, I saw Father Andrash as he was saying Holy Mass today. Before the elevation, I saw the infant Jesus with his hands spread out, and he was very joyous. Then after a moment, I saw nothing more. I was in my room, and I continued making my thanksgiving. But later on, I thought to myself, why was the infant Jesus so merry after all, he is not always so merry when I see him. Then I heard these words interiorly, because I am very much at home in his heart, and I was not at all surprised at this, because I know he loves Jesus very much. How do we all address each other with Christmas? Merry Christmas. See that? We should be merry in Christmas. It's a merry type of year. Don't be crabby during Christmas. And it's not have a crabby Christmas, it's have a merry Christmas. And who's the merriest one of all? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was on the altar and he was merry. He was joyful. He was rejoicing. He was rejoicing over the priest. And he was probably rejoicing in the people that were receiving him also. Here's another passage. This is three 32. You can look all these up and use them for meditation. St. Faustina says, Thursday, when I started the holy hour, I wanted to immerse myself in the agony of Jesus, Jesus in the Garden of Olives. Then I heard a voice in my soul meditate on the mystery of the incarnation. And suddenly the infant Jesus appeared before me, radiant with beauty. He told me how much God is pleased with simplicity and a soul. Although my greatness is beyond understanding, I commune only with those who are little. I demand of you a childlike spirit. So she wanted to meditate on the agony, the passion. Sometimes it's good to meditate on the passion. And sometimes God wants us to meditate on his incarnation, like in the Christmas season. And Jesus loves simplicity. He loves childlikeness in our spirit. And three... 35. St. Faustina says, Once when I saw Jesus in the form of a small child, I asked, Jesus, why do you now take on the form of a child when you commune with me? In spite of this, 
I still see in you the infinite God, my Lord and creator. Jesus replied that until I learned simplicity and humility, he would commune with me as a little child. Until I learned simplicity and humility, that God would keep on appearing to her as a child. There's one experience, I'm not going to read this to you, but there was one experience in which the Blessed Mother was there on the altar, and Jesus, this is in the middle of Mass, little infant Jesus runs down the middle of the aisle. Does that sound familiar? He runs down joyfully in the middle of the aisle, and then he comes up to the altar to the Blessed Mother's arms. Sometimes we get upset when children are running around or when children, you know, are just expressing themselves in baby tongues to God, and we get upset. And yet Jesus was doing it himself. He was running around the church. I'm not saying, you know, it has to be like a playground here. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is sometimes we lose that joyful spirit, that simplicity of coming to God as we are. This is an, another passage, a deeper one. This is on 424. 424 and 427, I'm going to read to you. It's a certain moment, May 12, 1935. In the evening, I just about got into bed, and I fell asleep immediately. Though I fell asleep quickly, I was awakened even more quickly. A little child came and woke me up. The child seemed about a year old, and I was surprised it could speak so well as children of that age do not speak or speak very indistinctly. The child was beautiful beyond words and resembled the child Jesus. And he said to me, look at the sky. And when I looked at the sky, I saw the stars and the moon shining. Then the child asked me, do you see this moon and these stars? When I said yes, he spoke these words to me. These stars are the souls of faithful Christians, and the moon is the soul of religious do you see how great the difference is between the light of the moon and the light of the stars? Such is the difference in heaven between the soul of a religious and the soul of a faithful Christian. And he went on to say that true greatness is in loving God and in humility. So if you want to be a star in heaven or you want to be like the moon, then you have to humble yourself. You have to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you have to keep humbling yourself like a little child before God. That's why we kneel before the manger. That's why we don't stand before the child Jesus. We kneel before the child Jesus. That's why we kneel when the consecration happens. It's one of the reasons why I put a kneeler here so that people can kneel before they're receiving the child Jesus in Holy Communion. 427, and she says, a moment later, I again saw the child who had awakened me. It was of wondrous beauty and repeated these words to me. True greatness of the soul is in loving God and in humility. I asked the child, how do you know that true greatness of the soul is in loving God and in humility? Only theologians know about such things, and you haven't even learned the catechism. So how do you know? To this, 
He answered, I know. I know all things. And with that, he disappeared. The wisdom of children that a child can teach us, the child Jesus can teach us more about loving God and humility probably than any book that we can read or any theologian to teach us. That's why the more that we humble ourselves, then the more that God will give us of knowledge of his will, knowledge of his goodness. As I said, St. Faustina, every year during Christmas after she would break what's called the opatek, it's called the wafer inheritance. It's as good a translation as possible. It's called the opatek. It's kind of like a wafer that it's a Polish tradition that you break with another person and you ask for forgiveness and then you wish that person blessings in the new year. And we still do it as our community. And so she would do that on Christmas Eve and then she would go to midnight mass and every year during midnight mass she would have an experience with the child Jesus where the blessed mother would give her the child Jesus. She would receive the child Jesus, a holy communion. Her soul would be filled with joy, with just unutterable joy during the Christmas season. And in the last, very last year of her life in 1937, St. Faustina has a unique experience. Before she had all these experiences where she was receiving the child Jesus, where the experience was here and now. Her very last experience that she had on Christmas with the Blessed Mother and the child Jesus was an experience in which she was taken to Bethlehem. And she saw the first Christmas of what it was really like at the first Christmas. You ever wonder about that? What was it really like at the first Christmas? And this is what I'm going to end with, and this is what she says. This is 1442. When I arrived at Midnight Mass, from the very beginning, I steeped myself in deep recollection, during which time I saw the stable of Bethlehem filled with great radiance. The Blessed Virgin, all lost in the deepest of love, was wrapping Jesus in swaddling clothes, but St. Joseph was still asleep. Only after the mother of God put Jesus in the manger did the light of God awaken Joseph, who was also praying. But after a while, I was left alone with the infant Jesus, who stretched out his little hands to me, and I understood that I was to take him in my arms. Jesus pressed his head against my heart and gave me to know by his profound gaze how good he found it to be next to my heart. At that moment, Jesus disappeared and the bell was ringing for Holy Communion. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. 
If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.